This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Tyrone, uh, what's your reaction to today's game against Newcastle? Um, not good. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host. Joining me to discuss the final game in the Danks era, Mr. Dan Rogers of the Villa Underground, Mr. Chris Budd and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome. Hello. How you doing? Hello. Hello. Back for more, Rogers. I thought uh, you you only appeared on 4-0 wins, not 4-0 losses. It's just I hold a mirror up to the Villaverse and, <laughs> you know, and I, I had full confidence that the professional weekend ruiners that are Aston Villa would come good for me. And here we are. What's the first thing Emery's got to do when he walks through the door on Tuesday? Check a small print in his contract. <laughs> Make sure that plane ticket's a return one. <laughs> The only way is up after a 4-0 defeat, but we'll review that after the next after <laughs> we'll see you against United. Sarah <laughs> <laughs> Ronaldo hasn't had a kick for a while, has he? The club record defeat. No, it'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh dear. Well, coming up in the show, what went wrong at St James's Park? Or what the fuck went wrong at St James's Park after beating uh, Brentford 4-0? Hype versus patience when it comes to Emery. Also, uh, all the Villa up-to-date news the three points which includes uh, tv broadcasting revamps and a fan who got arrested while walking from spain to qatar for the world cup and of course uh, media muppets first off uh, it's time for some uh, news uh, shall we talk about elon musk buying twitter although uh, newcastle pretty much own they're the second biggest stakeholder in twitter aren't they public investment fund of the saudis or their sovereign fund is the big second biggest stakeholder in twitter so uh, don't be slagging off newcastle anymore on twitter folks or else uh, you might disappear they could bring yeah. back Dr. Tony. You never know, he might reappear, start tweeting in, be uncancelled. Wouldn't that be fun? Mm. Yeah. It would. their money up against the wall, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> right, I think we, we should uh, just stay on a safer track. Probably best. And catch up on the Villa news.
Right, uh, as we uh, mentioned, there's everybody's... Well, they were they were salivating for this, but I don't know if uh, they now uh, feel sorry for, uh, you know, I, Emery, who starts his uh, illustrious uh, villa career on Tuesday, the 1st of November. I mean, it wouldn't it have been better if he came on Halloween? <laughs> we just came Trick or treat, Christian! <laughs> Someone creeping out, hiding under a bed sheet. Because he looks like Dracula. People call him Dracula. That's one of his nicknames. <laughs> if he just turned up on Halloween, that would have been so much more villa. <laughs> it would have done. Oh my goodness, what a what a time to be alive as a villa fan. This this really is. And I mean, as, as I said, as I've said previously, I hope he just turns up, and that would be. <laughs> <laughs> we are setting the bar that low these days. Yep. Press conference with a. I hope he turns up, and I hope he. I hope he's good. I, I'd like a good manager, please. We we aren't we due one. Yeah, I think it's been 40 years now. (laughs) 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 So we've paid our penance. We've, we've, you know, we we deserve one now as a fan base. Come on, come on, give us one, please. I just hope he hasn't read the Google reviews on us. It's like when someone accepts a new job and I think, yes! (laughs) And then, oh, <laughs> oh, hang on a minute! What's Mr. There is what's that web? There's a website that previous employees review their job. Is it Glasshouse? Something like Glasshouse or something? I think it is. What's this that's been left by Mr. Winers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where people can review the company and how much they got paid and all that kind of stuff, and basically have a bitch. Which is quite good. It's, it gives you that kind of transparency of what it was like to work at a place. What, you, what review do you think Bruce would have given, or Gerard even, or Remy God? Dimitri would have put a belter, wouldn't he? Was it eight Five games? stars, Mister B Balaban. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wish him good luck. That's all we can say at uh, this juncture. Any, anyway, uh, let's let's move on. Uh, John Carew faces a uh, potential forty-five thousand pounds fine and uh, one to two years in the nick for fraud. Oops. Carew has been. Uh, he, he's kind of. Passing the book that he was advised not to disclose uh, various income and assets outside his uh, native country. Uh, he ma- maintains his actions were a result of poor advice from friend, lawyer, and his former agent, Per A. Flood. This like, is like one of those made-up names. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying he's like trusted him blindly. He said, I have been convinced he was right. He controlled me like a puppet. I understand it is grossly negligent of me to trust him so much, but that is why I have done it. I met him in a Birmingham gentleman's establishment, Your Honor. He <laughs> <laughs> was completely trustworthy. Bit naive from Mr. Crew, but we'll uh, see how that one uh, pans out. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in terms of existing players, uh, Bubika Kamara is on the field training, so uh, we'll join the group this week. Uh, God knows whether he'll be fit enough for, for Manchester United, but he, he wasn't expected back until the new year. So uh, this is the Gerard effect or Gerard leaving effect. Uh, seems to have a very uh, positive healing uh, <laughs> power because lucas dean some sort of dark lord <laughs> yeah it's like uh kamara i mean we were talking to perslow that meeting and he was saying oh he's, he's ahead of schedule he'll be back after the world cup and here we are like literally two months in advance of that which is a bit dodgy isn't it it's like how can you suddenly be all right well if he goes to the world cup he can get a movie in january <laughs> 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 what ah, a, the, the optimism uh, 
I think, uh, I mean, there's almost a co- correlation. Uh, if crew's getting done for fraud, certain Villa players should be done for fraudulently uh, faking injuries, maybe. Disclosing performances. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the women's team suffered their third straight defeat after a 3-1 away loss at Chelsea, which was always going to be a difficult assignment. Uh, Rachel Daly scored again, which is always a good sign if your striker is scoring even when you lose. The, I think she'll still make a big difference uh, in terms of her how Villa women went last season uh, she equalised just before half time 1-1 but then Chelsea kind of scored like two minutes after the restart and Chelsea one of the better teams uh, in the women's football so it was always going to be a tough one the under 21s uh, won as well it's their uh, second game undefeated when they beat Derby 2-0 this is post Gerrard era I can't remember them winning uh, while Gerrard was the manager this season no but, it's, uh, all the under 21 players are the better ones they're all out on loan aren't they it's like a skeleton squad. Because Gilbert's been playing, hasn't he, in the 23s? Uh, yeah, he wasn't there for the uh, for this 21s, but uh, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's probably about 60%, 70% of what it could be. The under-16s won a Premier League national tournament, uh, beating Reading on pens in the final. They beat Chelsea Manchester City en route, not conceding a single goal through the tournament. What a novelty, eh? How many games? I think they played six games. It was like a group of three, then quarters, semis and final. Mm. Oh, well, I'm just going to uh, go in a cryogenic chamber and freeze myself until these guys are about <laughs> they five, graduate. Or, <laughs> five or six, eight years older, and then I'll start supporting Villa again after I've thawed out. Right, uh, it's time for Phil Shaw to get up on the hockey. It's time for Media Muppets. <laughs> Right, what's in the media muppet trough this week, Mr. Shaw? Well, even though Tommy Jordan, Villa's communications director, told us not to, I'm going back to the Football Insider just to remind you why nobody should even look up. You were warned. I was warned, but I don't take warnings. Oh, that's the sport. Oh, yes. uh, The Northern Irishman speaks, all be quiet. (laughs) Continue, you madman. The Football Insider's Villa source... Oh, this skill already, Ooh. isn't it? Claims further talks have taken place between the club's recruitment team and Emery about potential targets under the headline Aston Ooh. Villa will heavily back Unai Emery in January if the club are still in a relegation battle. You'll notice my emphasis on the word still because we'll have two games before the end of uh, until the World Cup and then <laughs> one against Liverpool and one against Spurs before the transfer window opens. So, so without being Nostradamus, we'll be in a relegation battle. Secondly, a manager comes into a new club and speaks to his recruitment team. I mean, that's groundbreaking news. It's it's up there with um, Greg, Greg Evans's piece in the Athletic, which was Emery to watch Villa versus Newcastle game. Really? I think that was just just a tweet he did. But yeah, no, it's it's. He wishes he hadn't. People make a living out of stating the obvious. To add some meat to their story, Football Insider to go with their source, dig up an ex-Hibernian player called Tam McManus. I had to Google him in case they were now making up pundits as well as stories. But no, he's real. The link between him and Villa is that John McGinn used to play for Hibs, so that makes McManus an expert in Villa. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So his contribution, Jared brought his own players in during the summer, but none of them have really had an impact. Well, except in the treatment table, Tam, if you'd been watching, because they've all been injured. <laughs> Love how Phil's going after someone that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> You're attacking I mean, a ghost. You're hard. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the football insider know we're after them, so that they're sending decoy stories out with yeah. made-up ex-Hibernian pundits. Me, aren't they? <laughs> Chrissy McBudface commented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a 
Bud Christophers. I mean, the, the, the pundits, football and Saturday would probably make a more honest living in Cameo or something, or one of those other birthday message sites rather than doing this. Yeah, well, probably uh, less humiliating, I, I would say. Uh, we have another section now uh, where we like we try to balance the uh, the Villa Media Muppets up with this is a name that Mr. Bud came up with. We we, we didn't spend much <laughs> much it's a working time on title. it, but <laughs> working title Villa Media Nuggets, where we actually uh, source the uh, the the world for interesting stories uh, that you may or may not have read. So what what have you got? Well, it's another Greg Evans piece, surprisingly, but he's just sort of threw this bit in and not really made a story of it. But I thought it was good. I don't know. No, this is a positive section. It is, po- uh, it is sure. positive that he. It's positive that he actually put it in print rather than. But he he could have made more of it. Um, <laughs> no, it no, a- no, 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 no. It's a positive <laughs> section. It's not a backhanded you- compliment. Yeah, have you heard of Ying and Yang, Phil? This is like, we, we have the, I'll just explain it to you. We have the Mead, Villa Media Muppets, where we just go in on this, the fucking ridiculous state of football journalism and media. And we have Villa Media Nuggets, where we go, well, hang on, let's throw them a bone. And, and viewers may not have heard of whatever the article we've tracked down or, or, or whatever nugget that we have. And here you are just using it, to, as, as Chris said, as a backhand slap. <laughs> right, one, from just... the top. From the top, but just positivity. Okay, this was another piece from Greg Evans in The Athletic, which he he spoke to Tyrone Mings. Um, Mings was speaking to The Athletic as a brand ambassador for Mitre whenever Mings let slip a couple of insights about how losing the captaincy affected him. But it wasn't anything to do with that that stood out for me. It was um, when he was talking about Villa winning a trophy. He said it would be massive. If you ask all Villa fans, they would probably place winning the FA Cup higher than climbing up the Premier League. So we're aware of the expectations and know we should be competing. So I thought it was interesting. I mean, has this now been discussed within the change room as the aim for the season? After I'll the take cast- climbing up the Premier League first. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think a lot of us were after this, the catastrophic start. It's good that that he at least he realizes that the FA Cup is some, especially for a certain age group, which I'd include myself in, who've seen Villa win everything else apart from the FA Cup in our lifetimes. Right. Anyway, let's move on to the three points. Uh, Sorry, did Phil do the positive bit? Did he do the positive? <laughs> it's hard to yes, tell, isn't it? it, it, was, sorry, it, it, it <laughs> did you not miss the positive? The positive was us being like Wigan winning the FA Cup oh. and getting relegated. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, you're completely, you're fully conditioned to be a Villa fan now. You have gold standard scepticism. <laughs> <laughs> right, three points. Number one, Premier League is set for something of a TV revolution. I think this is as early as when we get back from the World Cup. It plans to introduce real-time graphics and data into its broadcasts on Sky Sports and BT Sports, similar to what La Liga already do. So on screen, you'll see like the speed of players and, you know, shot velocities and angles and all all kind of (laughs) crazy things. It won't register anything for us. <laughs> Let's take a look at the shots on target. Oh, there's a slight delay at the moment, but this is this will be eight second delays to provide times for them to load up these graphics. Look how quickly Unai Emery is running down the touchline. <laughs> Villa's defence already operate the eight second delay. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. The idea is that for this, well, this is why stats have come about. It's it's basically. To, to drive fan engagements and give fans things to talk about on social media and you know you, you can see it because a lot of stats have real no real bearing on things they are just more for conversation to drive engagement i think a part of this i mean if you want me to be cynical is it's kind of uh, 
diversion from the game, from what the product is. It's hmm. the fact that the product isn't that good. I mean, Newcastle, to their credit, were one of the first good teams I've seen uh, contest an Aston Villa game this season. As we've discussed on previous shows, there's been a lot of bad teams come to Villa Park regardless of whatever the result is at the end. Point number two, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk's U- Ukrainian Premier League game against uh, Alexandra in Lviv was paused after an air raid siren. Shit, that's scary. Yeah, the, the siren lasted an hour. So uh, everybody had to uh, obviously seek shelter during this period. And then uh, the halftime was reduced to a five-minute break. And then they carried on playing. Uh, Shakhtar wow. playing their Champions League games in Warsaw at the moment in Poland. But this was a domestic game. But I just wanted to put that in there just to uh, remind people that uh, you know the situation is still very serious there. And it's not uh, a case of uh, people should get bored because of the 24-7 news cycle that you just dismiss it because it's very much a life threat and you don't and you still don't know how this is going to end and well and also in the in the bigger picture you know there's we can moan about losing four in a game or whatever but we still have a team that we can go and watch safely yeah exactly you may have heard uh, that flights to qatar are, are quite expensive around the world cup time so one real madrid fan decided uh, to walk from spain to uh, qatar i was looking at the route actually uh uh, you go th- what you go through France and then like Italy, go you know through like Croatia and the Balkans, Turkey, Syria, then you get into I think Iraq, and then you cross over to uh, Iran, and that's how uh, that's how far he got until he got arrested for by uh, <laughs> the Iranians, <laughs> and nobody's heard from him since. Sanchez Kujador. Uh, was documenting his journey on Instagram and his last post was on October the 1st when he entered Iran from a northern Iraqi village. From the press report I read about this, uh, the way they try to frame it is like because of Iran's been gripped by these protests, it's up to about six weeks now. Uh, and there's been a big, pretty serious crackdown by the security forces after the death of uh, Massa Amini, who uh, basically got arrested and then killed for breaching the Iranian dress code for women. And actually, the Iranian women have featured a, f- a couple of times in the three points because of that, you know, they used to have to dress up as men to get into football games and stuff. So it's a, you know, they are really under a uh, terrible diktat there. And so the thinking was that uh, Tehran, because it's accused uh, America and Western countries uh, for being behind and fueling these demonstrations, that's maybe why. Uh, our Spanish World Cup heading friend has been arrested. So because uh, there's also been far- foreigners from like Poland, Italy, and France have also been uh, arrested, or should we say, disappeared uh, in connection with this protest uh, movement. Hopefully, you can get out and uh, make the World Cup. There's another way to get the World Cup. The Dutch newspaper NOS are reporting that um, 50 Dutch fans are getting their flights and accommodation to Qatar paid for them if they post positive messages on social media about it when they're there. Oh, it just so happens I'm a dual national. (laughs) (laughs) I bet this... I bet this is happening everywhere, isn't it? There'll be like TikTokers paid to go and media yep. influences to make out it's the greatest place ever. And that's because they'll be uh, staying in a paid-for hotel, free flights and free food. So that's why it'd be a great place. But watch out for that, people. If you suddenly see a lot of social media activity with random people in good locations telling you this, this is a great World Cup, that's probably part of it. Everything's perfect. Everything's fine. 
Right, before we go on, I just want to give a big shout out to the My Old Man Said members as per usual and thank you for supporting the show. A special thanks this week to Dan Wilson, Matt Birchmore and Leighton Nunn for upgrading their memberships and actually joining us uh, as annual members. Uh, also, uh, Elliot Harbottle joined us as a annual member if you join us as an annual member you get a month's free well you get 10 percent, which is just over a month's uh, free on the subscription rate also a big thank you to lawrence day and paul scrag for joining up as a uh, member as well when you're a my Old man said member you get access to uh, extra shows as well as ad free versions of this show plus entrance to the illustrious in a in a sanctum of my Old man said our inner circle, which is Match Club, which is a 24-7 meeting of minds and sanity, uh, and actually a very good resource for everybody involved, really, because you can just check in and uh, you know exactly what's happening, but like without all the bullshit and hysteria. Well, and you can have an opinion without getting put on blast by everyone. Yeah, so uh, thank you very much to everybody who's joined and everybody who uh, has been with us uh, for a while now. So if you want to join us and uh, support My Old Man Said and also uh, get all the extras, please do go to myoldmansaid.com and check out the members link there for more details. Thank you very much. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, how are we framing this one? Told you so. Before we started recording the show, I was watching the New York Jets play against the uh, the Patriots and uh, anybody who knows anything about NFL knows... Uh, well, the Patriots used to be good, and if you if you know anything about being a Jets fan, is uh, it's like a nemesis that you just can't beat. And we've lost the last thirteen games against them straight. Now, there's a little bit of similarity to uh, Villa's record against Newcastle. How many games haven't we beaten them at St James's now? It's about fourteen now, isn't it? Yeah, which is atrocious considering, considering how, how bad Newcastle have been in the last <laughs> like, however many years. Which says a lot about us, really, doesn't it? It does. Oh yeah. Oh. oh. So what you're saying is we should have had zero expectations going into this game. What did I keep whispering on the last show we recorded? Newcastle I think it was United, United five. 5. 
Aston Villa, nil. And then you've got Phil Shaw telling you uh, that, oh, the last time we had a caretaker manager that was all good and won their first game, we went up to St. James's and we got Tonk 6 nil. So this is the podcast that basically tells it as it is. And we don't, you know, people go, oh, negative, negative. It's, it's just reality, isn't it? We're just facts. This is the unfortunate thing about uh, supporting Aston Villa. I mean, I put out a, a thread of... Before that game uh, against Newcastle, I put a thread of what happened uh, after the very game that uh, Phil referred to, the 6-0. So you've got uh, what Chris Hewton as an as a, uh, opposition manager was said he was thinking going into the game. It's exactly what Eddie Howe said. You know, that looked very promising, you know, very bright against Brentford and it was always going to be a tough game. Then I looked at, you know, what Ming said compared to what Petrov said. It's pretty much all the same. It's like a mirror reaction to the game. Uh, Ming said post-match of this one, uh, Villa were full of belief going into it and confidence and they thought they could cause Newcastle problems at St. James's. Ultimately, he says uh, they were unlucky with the penalty and then uh, they had a say in the game until that and, and probably shortly after, but then they just crumbled. Pretty fair. Now, he highlighted something which... Uh, and I think it's quite poignant, and we we spoke about this in Match Club during the game. And I think it was Jesse Marsh that I was watching something about uh, him talking about coaching principles, where he was saying tactics don't really matter because, first of all, the players have got to do all the basics. You know, you got to battle, you got to run, you got to support your teammates, you got to cover, you got to protect the ball. And uh, this is exactly the things that uh, Mings was saying that they should have done. And you know, when we saw that Brentford game, you got you know Liam Bailey after the game was made a point of saying how at the end how everybody was like running back to cover, and he said it was you know really good that we were playing as a team, and he thought yeah maybe uh, there's been a watershed moment, and uh, they know they've got to work their socks off and play for each other now. But you saw that second half against Newcastle, and you thought oh, we're back to the it's like watching the, that Fulham game all over again. I mean, it was pathetic, wasn't it? You thought for probably half an hour, forty minutes. I thought we played reasonably well. There were little spells where I thought we were, we were sort of starting to get on top without ever really making the big chance. But you thought this could be a reasonably competitive game. and We, we were creating opportunities, weren't we? We were creating opportunities, but it's just that final ball. Yep. Which has been a problem for a while, hasn't it? The, it has. It's not been a new problem. And I, I think mm-hmm. the glaring thing for me is, and it could have been any game, and it's just that, that Newcastle were rampant, really, is that when the momentum shifted, I thought it, it was it could have been like so many games. We this is the worry after the investment we've had uh, and the apparent quality and calibre of player is when the momentum shifted in Newcastle's favour, there was oh, it was one-way traffic. And we didn't seem, didn't seem anyone on the pitch capable of composing us. Um, yeah, it know, was like a runaway uh, train, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that 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 was the case, as you say, at Fulham and, and other games. And, I, and it's been a been a theme since we got back to the Premier League, really. Yeah, you said about that. Tell you about that 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 preseason game against United. That was just like the second half against Newcastle was just like the first half against United in that game. It was just striding through the midfield, striding through the wings, just demolishing the team. Yeah, well, I'll just drag it back uh, in terms of Aaron Danks set the team up exactly the same against Brentford and I think you know I think me and Chris agreed on something for the weekend that you'd probably start the same team you couldn't really think of uh, anything to tweak going into this game because suddenly it just seemed a lot more balanced and the front Mm. four had a good base off that double pivot to work off and you know they were flying and and it seemed like you know we it was working again to the through the respect we were creating opportunities and you thought actually you know we, we are creating things on the counter not I'm not talking about final big chances or anything but we were getting through but 
it's a double O this game, and it's not the first time on this podcast we've had a double O. And when I say double O, it's no shots on target and no no corners created, which suggests uh, that you're not really in the game, are you? No, and and, and uh, we just wilted. And that's the really pathetic thing. I think going to St James's and losing in itself, when they're the, you know, they are the team, the form team in the league, isn't necessarily the worst of things. The manner of the second half was it three mm. goals in sort of ten, fifteen minutes or so. You think that's yeah. just you know, imploding. Yeah. The, the, the thing I observed about that was that the, the first goal was, you know, it was more of a penalty than the one that Cash, that was given against Cash at Fulham. I thought, you know, it's unfortunate because it could have gone anywhere. The second and third goals were terribly Awful. defended and the, and the fourth was a worldie, you know, but then it gets to full time and you think, well, if the offside one had counted or, or the, I think it was Murphy who struck the bar towards the end. Yeah, it um, could have been really ugly. You, you sort of, yeah, you're well, it's pretty embarrassing anyway because there's, you know, there's this sort of, you know, I think we've gone up there. You know, we, we don't want to. We want to give a better account of ourselves. And the, the thing that struck me through, especially through the second half, is that those Newcastle players played with a belief in in the system that they had. And I was gonna, I was gonna get onto that. Yeah. You know, how, how can our players have belief if they don't know what the system is? And you know, I can see we're going to talk about. I'm sure some of the tweaks that I think Danks made in good faith, um, but it exposed us badly when we were rocking. And yeah. Um, it was it was frustrating because, as I say, I think it was a well-meaning change, but it, 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 from that moment we were badly exposed where Newcastle could hurt us. If you look at what happened to us in the second half and then look what happened to us against Fulham, it, we don't seem to have the characters to uh, book the trend and also uh, do anything in terms of switching momentum. When we go down, as we've said so many times before, we, we're down. We, we, we're not... Uh, clawing it back there's no we're resurrection doing, is there we're not doing what Spurs did against Bournemouth and go you know after getting beat by Newcastle the week before go 2-0 down away from home but then suddenly pull it out of the fire and win 3-2 that never looks like on the cards in a Villa game no, no. They, they don't they don't that's what I hope maybe um, I mean jumping ahead I hope Emery can do something but Villa don't know how to stay in a game I mean you're getting battered like that if you can keep it to 1-2-0 then at least you're still you're still in the game, even one nil. Because how many times have Villa been one nil or two nil up, and then suddenly out of nothing the other side get a goal, and then it's just it's panic stations. I mean, you can do that to other teams if you just stay alive in the game rather than just throwing the towel in. Exactly we right. did it against Man United in January, didn't we? Yeah, it's still the midfield for me. And uh, when we went to the two deeper players, I mean, Louise and Dendonka, I, I mean, I, I said at the, the podcast after Brentford, I want to see, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Dendonka when he's under fire. Well, yeah, stress tested. <laughs> he didn't pass the Edinac test, did he? <laughs> he no, didn't. no, he did not. Because uh, Louise, as you know, as we, as we said, is a bit more cruisy. But in terms of that change in the momentum, when you go one nil down and trying to get back and fight back, you need people to step up. And I don't think those two are the, are the types of players that picks the ball up and goes right. Let's get out of this. Let's dig ourselves mm-hmm. out of this. Mm-hmm. They seem a bit more passive. And you know, I think I referred to Dendonka as more of a, like a gentle giant rather than a mar- kind of a marauding force. Mm. Yes, well, Dan, Dan talked about the believing thing, and I was going to get onto that myself anyway because there was a picture that did the rounds. I think it was after the game of the the Gallagher end, and there was a banner that kind of summed up the difference between the two teams and the fan bases, probably. And it was, and the banner simply said, "This city is believing again." Yeah. You could see what's the difference in atmosphere at St James is really since the, the sort of the the, you know, the the change of of ownership. Their fans are like, "Right, we've got our club back. We're all going to sing sing on the same hymn sheet here." They're right behind them. The atmosphere is good. And then when the team gets a sniff of being in the game, they were just like all over us. Whereas Villa, they just they clearly don't have the belief. 
unless you know, like Brentford was a freak start to the game. You know, you aren't going to be three 0 up in court of an, you know, in whatever it was, fourteen minutes very often. Yeah, but if it'll start well, they always stand a chance. Was you can't guarantee you're going to start well away from home, especially with the way we're playing at the moment on the on the road. We've been dreadful for quite a while now, and I, I don't think we believed we could go there and really get a result. I, I will go back to you know what I was saying, uh, and Ming's highlighted that that thing that individuals aren't doing their jobs to to a man in terms of just the the basics. Mm-hmm. Of just battling, fighting, rolling, r- r- basically rolling your sleeves up, and and that, being that a good teammate. A Smith, yeah, mm-hmm. being. A, mm-hmm. Did you notice? Is it the Jay Linton one where it was almost like they just bullied it, like they they lost the ball and just basically pushed Cash out of the way? I was about to say it was like a brute force, wasn't it? And and that, um, as you were saying, around this is where I've, I've always had sympathy for for both Konza and Mings because. It has appeared at times this season, but it's not their fault when there's been absolutely nothing to stop uh, the opposition getting into the final third unopposed. That was, I must sound like a broken record in writing and probably on this on this podcast about it, but there's so many teams we, we play against where you get hassled and harried in the middle of the pitch. And we just, and Newcastle would be the as, as good an example of 45, 50 minutes of it where you're under the cosh. You know, uh, and, and well, Cash and just got, got no, like Cash. Cash, I think, should have been a bit more sterner in that. In that, the goal mm-hmm. we, that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The, the second and third were the same. Yeah, I mean, but you, the players aren't putting tackles in. The Newcastle players tackled the Villa players hard. You don't want to say it's like you know physical aggressive football, but they, they let them know they're there. They're, they're always in the case, and then you get Villa players hesitating in the box. In the first half, you have the three big chances. You've Wendia who hesitated before he had a shot for some reason, maybe because Burn was about to come in and I thought he'd, I thought he'd actually done Wendy's knee when he blocked that one then you have Ings put through and he didn't slide the ball across for Watkins and then you've Watkins air shot there's three that if you could even take one of those mm, exactly different game yeah as somebody said in match club it is, it is I mean it's a, it certainly gives you a better chance if you score first but it would they were adamant that the team to score first here the game will totally shift in their favour and did you not think uh, something I noticed early on I thought and it worried me that it worried me that we were adopting the game plan of nullifying. We were time wasting. You know, it was blatant time wasting from what, us from, Martinez. from quite early. Well, I thought we, I thought we were playing the dark arts all the way through the first half. I mean, Martin, Martinez's performance was convincing on this occasion. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, method, method, method acting. <laughs> he's made a full recovery. He did take a serious uh, knee. I don't think it affected the results uh, ultimately yeah. anyway. It was kind of weird doing that because sometimes there are games when it's warranted where you think you've got to break the momentum up. But actually when Villa got on the ball and had a bit of momentum themselves, they looked pretty good. It was The first when half, I thought so. Those injuries started to come. Villa's momentum actually started to drain away. And then as soon as the goal came, it just vanished. Villa were actually better just going for it. David said at the, uh, much earlier in the podcast that Newcastle were one of the better teams, if not probably one of the best teams yeah. we've played this, you know, in terms of their ambition to win the game, really. Yeah. As a club, they're wide, riding a wave, aren't they, of, of progression? And they've got individual players who, you know, I was reading some of the comments and, you know, you have to assume they're seasoned Newcastle fans, not just their own progress with with, their, with the players they've brought in, but that belief is now ebbing into players like Almiron, who, if you'd have said to me, would he score a goal like, you know, look at the form he's in, you know, six goals in six, and he scored an absolute screamer against us. And just, I, I looked into our own team and I thought, even off the back of last week, did a Bailey carry that in? Did a Watkins carry that in? I didn't see that. And it was puzzling, really, as, as individuals, as much as a team. That's, that's where you have to give Eddie Howe a lot of credit, as much as it, it pains me to, to say it about them as a club. We, I remember we had uh, various times during the season and, and that the Newcastle away game 
earlier in the calendar year. I think it was sort of February, March time, wasn't it? When we went there and lost to that stupid free kick. And that was the real first really big red flag of Gerard. We thought, hang on a minute, you've been completely outthought here by a very inferior team. Whereas now they are a superior team and they've got belief and momentum and well, everything else. This, you want to add yeah, to the this mix. time last year they were second from bottom. And they, and then they yeah. barely won a game. It just shows what you can do actually if with, with some tweaking, getting things right, and then actually everybody going, right, we believe in this, let's go. Because I still yeah. think man for man, Newcastle aren't a lot better than us, but as a collective unit, they are light years ahead of us now. But it's down to how. But there's a lot of revisionism going on because now Eddie Howe's this great coach. And uh, I think Dan Rogers on the show called him a myth after he uh, <laughs> was <laughs> booted from Bournemouth. I think we were giving him, giving him fair credit at the end of last season, though, the job he'd done there to take them from the bottom three to where they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying before he got the job. I'm saying before oh, yeah, he yeah, got the job. That's, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have wanted him at Villa. But now, you know, he's a great coach. Opinions are hilarious. They just go with the wind, whatever's populist. Oh, I'm sticking moment. with myth. Because, uh, you know, let's, let's, I mean, just switch it to Emery. We've all seen uh, how he's been heralded as, you know, this elite. Well, this is like from fan media as like some elite force that's going to win as a cup this season and completely change it. But people are just dodging the reality of the situation here. Because as we've alluded to this in this podcast already this episode next game's manchester united baptism of fire brighton away even more difficult than the united game i would venture then after the world cup liverpool spurs well, then well no doubt i've got their house in order of course yeah spurs after that and you with three points off bottom as it is now so he's going to be hopefully not in quicksand but he's going to be in the mud in the early stages so the fans have got to be patient here because uh you know if they get on his back because he's not like you know eddie howe is uh, he gets it in terms of that t- togetherness he's out there clapping the away fans when newcastle are away you know he's intrinsically trying to bond what you said about that banner it's like a city that believes but i don't think emery's going to be you know going up to the away fans and clapping him he's, he's going to be a bit more uh, as a traditional manager who's kind of above that kind of thing you know you won't see him in a tracksuit running up to the away away fans like you know klopp would do so will fans warm to him and stay with him you know if we are uh, let's say in a in a sticky uh, sticky patch at the very at the start of this Emery campaign well that's interesting in terms of where where will the, the pressure point come will it be on Emery probably not to begin with I think we, we we noticed in the last couple of weeks the pressure starting to be put on Langer and Perslow and, yeah. I, th- and I think games like the Newcastle game you kind of go well listen that's not on Stephen Gerrard that one that's on the players yeah so I think there is collective pressure if anything, the least amount is probably on Emery to be going on with. That's how some fans were dealing with this Newcastle loss. They were blaming uh, Gerard. No, no, I'm, I'm with, yeah, I'm with Chris on this one. You, you can't do that. They weren't giving credit to Gerard when we beat Brentford four 0 but they were giving blaming him uh, for the Newcastle loss. I think Emery's got a real. I think he's got a real tricky, tricky, sticky wicket here. This this could yeah. be as, as you say. We're going to have to be very patient and very. Um, we are going to have to be patient as fans because not only is the is the gap in time going to be challenging, I think that is that the fixture list beyond that looks extremely challenging. Um, and probably you know I, I must admit it, it it falls out of line, especially and this this was one of the things about watching Newcastle players that that they were saw I saw someone comment that their kind of their trajectory and their current progression is where we thought we would be. And well, we, so we had a head start fans, to a certain extent. Didn't Gerard have 12 points on him last year at one point? 
Mm-hmm. And we could have stood in their head, like we said at the time in that game you're talking about, Chris, where we let them win. That was our chance to like keep them yeah. down to get the to keep the gap. But if you were to say that we, as a club, since you know, not not just since Jared's appointment, but before that, really, you know, there was that fractious period towards the end of the Smith era where there was division even amongst fans as to whether he should stay or should go. Mm-hmm. Emery's, I don't want us talking cliches, but th- there are some obvious things here. He he, he needs to identify. He, he's got to be looking at Man United and Brighton and thinking, Christ, I, I probably need to dig a win out here. But how? And, uh, you know, you alluded it to there. I mean, I watched Man United against West Ham and caught the highlights of Brighton. I'm not sure what the easier game is. Is there an easy game there? Probably not. The expectation of this hysterical Mm -hmm. expectation that we're going to win cups and everything's going to be hunky-dory. We've got this super elite manager, but, you know, he won two out of his last 10 games for Arsenal, getting beat by the likes of Sheffield United, whatever. This is not like some messiah coming out of... uh, hiding this is somebody who's a good coach but he needs his players to buy into it and the thing is if you the things that that make you bounce and skip into training and and soak things up and enjoy training is is winning on the weekend and if filler haven't been doing this and they're they're not capable capable of doing this in the short term will they start to uh Let's kind of repel the ideas of uh, Emery in the early time. I mean, you know, he's obviously he's got a window to get rid of anybody he identifies as weak links. That was my concern. But also getting rid of people isn't easy because Villas seem to pay inflated wages. They don't mind to get people over the line. They'll pay them more. And as we've always known, you know, it's harder to get rid of players on good wages when they know that the next club's probably not going to match that. Yeah, I mean, my my concern with Emery, it wasn't the performances of that Arsenal team because, I mean, they were still a good side to watch and they still played good football. It was the fact that Emery seemed to be bullied by, like, Mesut Ozil. I mean, it became the Ozil show and, like, he, he, he sort of, like, made Emery look sort of, like, weak. I mean, if if there's anybody in the What do you mean? Villas- Quantify that because media made a big show out of that but what was the reality the reality was that Ozil just he just wasn't happy I mean either it was the way that Emery was asking them to play or the fact that Emery didn't fancy him he wasn't pulling his weight at the time Ozil. so he, he, was he Arsenal dropped him then, didn't he he dropped him, but he was just—he was just there on the bench, like a sort of like a a, a presence, or was the sort of Damocles just hanging over Emery the whole time was Ozil, and he did, he wasn't backed by the club to get rid of him to get him out of the out of the club. So that's the sort of thing I, you hope that Emery's backed when he gets to Villa. I think like he, he will be at Villa. You know, someone like Emery then, when his cachet of various European trophies, etc., he hadn't got a Villarreal team to a Champions League and won him their first trophy. He comes to Villa as a much bigger fish in a smaller pond, I would say, with far greater influence. The big one me and David spoke about, I think, in Smith for the weekend was culturally it'll be very different around the training ground now. You've got a guy who's a self-proclaimed sort of nuclear physicist of football who wants to sit them down for two, three hours watching video analysis. And some players just will not like that. You know, when you're struggling, sometimes you need like a manager who can make things fun and enjoy playing and going into games with a spring in your step, not necessarily someone who sits you down for two hours and tells, tells you everything you're doing wrong constantly. My retort to that would be is that, and, and this is, you know, there is, modern media is a blessing and a curse, but you look at the style of management that you can see through some of the Amazon stuff for Guardiola and Arteta. Um, you know, these are high-performance coaches, aren't they? And they, they don't tolerate substandard, subpar players in their squad you know and and there's a it's it's a culture change for us as fans as well we've got to go through some pain because we can't we, you know if I'm not saying Emery will be the one who who knows but if if that's his if that's his brand of high performance high expectation football um 
you know, you'd have to hope it would reap rewards. But I don't know what he will think of what he's inheriting. It's impossible to gauge, really. I, I look at Villa's squad and I see good individual players here and there. But now you've got, it's very confused recruitment by anyone's measure. If Villa were on the rise, doesn't matter what it, what, where they are, you know, mid-table, uh, top six. If they were a team on the rise and Emery comes in and he's there to improve a team that's already showing promise, then I think players buy into that more. The situation he's in is a team, as Dan just said, it's like uh, it's got an identity crisis and they're in trouble now. Now, can he can he turn a tide? Can he turn around uh, a sinking ship? <laughs> but no, but can he, can he turn something around as opposed to make it better going in the upwards direction like you know you're doing well but i'm going to get you to the next level rather than that which i think he he would be better at can he actually turn around a circus and make sense of it and actually then get them going i mean you know i've said before i I still hold on to the fact that i think he's seen the squad and he's happy with what's there certainly the base of it i think you can always add to it and i think he'll have a few that will fit the way he wants to play but i think there's enough there and you've seen it in enough times over a a long enough period of time that individually there's enough there that can have turned it on in games and had bright moments it's okay on paper but i mean it's as we said about in the newcastle game it's not doing the basics they're not playing for each other they're not fighting individually they're not you know they're not picking up the man and being responsible they're it's it's not that cohesive team performance no that's what i hope he brings yeah how does that slip though how how do these players how does it slip you mean it's like you said it's the basics it's the fundamentals of football how does not being able to do that get get allowed to slip i don't understand it i don't understand how you can be paid millions of pounds and not have that kind of ethic about you you do wonder what the, the culture was like when it was under you know smith shakespeare etc if they maybe had a quite a nice nice existence and then obviously gerard came in rocked the boat a little bit by giving him a few home truths few people don't like that and it's whether emery can you can't imagine emery won't go down a similar route he might deliver it in a slightly different way with a bit more European swagger but it, if, if something's not working he'll say surely and even you know, th- th- you know things will come down to you know we don't know yet but you know Emery's backroom staff how the players will like them if there's some of the other you know, players may like Dank and they'd like, like to keep him on neither do all the uh, the Wikipedia local media who were like writing articles <laughs> about all his backroom staff they, they who, who had no idea who they were a week ago yeah, I created all those Wikipedia articles. So <laughs> well done, Daniel. <laughs> but that will be interesting how the dynamic shifts. Yeah, will he lift the players up? Will he say, actually, do you know, you you guys are really good players. I can see a really good team here. Or will it be, I'm not having you, I'm not having you, and I'm not having you? I think uh, Emery's can't wait until the World Cup starts. Mm. <laughs> well, he's very fortunate in a way to have that time to really do some, some groundwork, but he'll have to be busy because there's all the training ground stuff. And of course, they'll have to, I'm sure that the club have done their a bit of prep already in terms of potential transfer business, but it'll be if they haven't already sat down with Emery and go, well, what do you want? But it gives him time to, you know, evaluate what he has, go and prep, go and shop, find out what the scouts have got already, sort of, you know, irons in the fire and all that. Or he might just say, I want this person, this person, this person, or I'm not coming. You don't you don't know what the, the conversations are. Well, he's, he's, he's already signed his contract. Yeah, but in terms of what he actually, if he has real assurances, I won't come unless I have X. You know, there's, all, there's always stories, aren't there? You know, Emery will be given 150 billion pounds in the January window, and all this sort of nonsense. It's, you wonder how aggressive him and the you know the hierarchy feel that they need to be in, in the January window to just to, to stop a crisis. Come May, Emery's being paid three, four times the amount he was paid at Villarreal, so uh, he, he's not going to be doing ultimatums and stuff. He'll be like, "Oh, that's nice. Thank you very much." <laughs> <laughs> this, this, then there's another an issue it's like we've got to hopefully he warms to the club and the lovely fan base 
takes off his notifications on uh, social media. Twitter, yeah. <laughs> just closes his Twitter. He's on just Twitter, isn't he? Yep. And, uh, yeah, gets on with the job. I'm hoping he, he sees this as the kind of test that you always kind of secretly wanted somebody, like, this is going back a few years, not now. Like, for example, if I said Mourinho, you know, he's a faded force. But Mourinho in his pomp, it's like, oh, you think you're the best. You think you're the special one. But can you turn Aston Villa around now? There's a proper test. Mm. Now, I hope there's yes, a indeed. bit of that about Emery. Well, it's, that's the sport. it's the sporting challenge, isn't it? Which is why he said he took the job. Because we can sit here, we talk about Aston Villa every week, but ultimately, what are we in it for? What are, what do we want to do? What we want to do is, is in the first place, get to that kind of sixth place mediocrity that we used to moan about about 10 years ago. Yeah, if you, if you weren't in the top 10, the manager's getting sacked. <laughs> now in the modern day, modern day Aston Villa seems a you know, world away, but it's not easy to get to. So we're you know we you know we're talking about this and that, but ultimately the the aim is Villa have to get there. But how do we do that? And we've thought that you know the Roy the Rovers kind of situation with Dean Smith could be it doing it, but not really in a practical way. That was how we we're going to do it. It was it was more the end result. If we did achieve that, it would be so much more you know fantastic mm-hmm. under uh, Smith and you know with Grealish as captain. With Gerard, it was like it made it validated us kind of having Gerard, and we were still relevant in the eyes of the media, and that backfired. But now we've actually got a, a genuine manager with perhaps the tools and know how to do it, albeit he's used to walking into, and we're talking, you know, Valencia, Seville, Villarreal. These are no schmucks. I mean, when he took over Villarreal, they finished fifth. I mean, he he finished seventh, seventh, and then left when they were seventh so he's taken over let's say decent teams not the top top rank and got them success that's what i said earlier on about you can imagine him coming in a filler were kind of improving and it's like right i'm going to take you to the next level you think yeah this is you know the perfect appointment for that considering he's won you know x amount of trophies but in a villa team that's doesn't know uh, it's ass from its elbow and it's struggling this is this is the, the t- if he can break that and get us start to move us upwards, then I think we move upwards fairly fast. But it's that initial turning it around, that's going to be the tough bit of this assignment for him, I think. Because the expectations, if he gets us into that kind of mid-table up upwards of that, aren't going to be as uh, harsh as the Arsenal fans were, where they were like complaining about finishing fifth. He was a couple of points off third, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, literally one, one win from having smoke blown up his arse. That's how close it was. I mean, that's how thin the line was. And he Arsenal. did get into a European final and have a 22-game and beaten run. Yeah, so that's how thin the line is. So I don't think you would have that kind of ridiculous pressure, but the hard part is going to be turning this season around. I agree. As we stand now, as we've talked about, the momentum, we might lose some early doors because of the fixtures. And then uh, fans might, that kind of honeymoon period of being the best coach ever to walk this earth may soon fade. Just everybody has to just remember, it's like like recovery, isn't it? It's not a straight line. There's going to be ups and downs. Well, yes, success isn't linear. You can't just go up, 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 up. It doesn't work like that. So first of all, he's got to resuscitate the patient before he teaches it how to walk again. Any reasons to be cheerful after this week? I think a new dawn. Essentially, yeah. Um, and op- op- I think opportunity beckons, I think. You have to you have to try and be positive. As much as we know, we'd probably be quite cynical and in our usual jokey way on here. But actually, I think you've got to try and be positive. Jokey? Think, well, it, who's who's it, joking, it couldn't, bud? It couldn't be much mm. worse than the Gerard. <laughs> crap that we've had to put up this with is, for last this year. This is classic Villa. Making this light is of classic this podcast. Villa. This is, not, this is no manager. joke. 
This is no, no joke. This is a serious business. This is classic Villa. Only Villa would get absolutely pumped two or three days before a new guy is supposed to walk through the door. It's, no, it's no, 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 no. Only Villa would win 4 0. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Only Villa would win 4 0 as soon as he's appointed or just before he's appointed and then lose 4-0 <laughs> when, when, when the ink perfect. has dried. <laughs> <laughs> but what we don't know is it's disappearing ink. Invisible ink. It's very Harry Potter. He, he would probably be uh, asking if it was uh, when the final whistle went in St. James's. Oh, to have been a fly on the wall with him watching that game on TV, wherever he is. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know uh, if he watched it with his, with his coaching staff. And what they said, you know, the kind of off the record stuff they said to each other. I don't want to. Thank know. God. <laughs> Can you remember, what's like, the, what's the what's the weather like in Birmingham? <laughs> you remember Remy Gard up in the stands, sitting next to Tom Fox before he took <laughs> over. Yeah, and his face, and it became that a was meme. The Tottenham game, wasn't it? That it was became a meme where where his eyes were like coming out of on stalks, and somebody just put. I think I I put a version up of it, just like. Sp- a thought bubble coming out of his head just fuck with an exclamation mark. <laughs> Literally a career ending. <laughs> Twitter was in its early days then, but it was the same reaction, really, the guard that you're getting the Emery, so... <laughs> well, I, I did put a picture up of, uh, of guard. You did. During Newcastle game, me. with his tongue in his cheek, like, blowing out, going, fuck. And <laughs> half of that was like, let's hope it doesn't happen like this, where we oh, just... please. Because he was like this progressive manager that was coming in and everybody was blowing smoke up of his ass, and everybody turned, players, supporters, and it, he didn't. the club didn't even back him in the, in the first window. It was bizarre. Well, to be fair, the only person he wanted to buy in the first window was Kalinic, so it's maybe a good idea they didn't back him. Right. On that note, uh, oh dear... <laughs> All we're saying is temper expectations in the early stages because the hard part, I think, is right at the start. If he manages to win one of those first two games, then that's going to be massive uplift, I mm, think. Agreed. This, this is how fickle the momentum is at the moment. Uh, but uh, I'd like to go into that World Cup at least uh, with a pulse, some semblance of evidence that uh, he's going to sort this circus out. <laughs> Phil said pulse with a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> I want him walking up to the, the away fans at Brighton with his two fingers on his neck doing the Sherwood there's still a pulse <laughs> on that note it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye 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 days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself (laughs) 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.